raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. I'm watching the C.J. Stroud interception right now. The offensive line didn't protect for him all day long. Didn't really see the pressure there on the interception. All I'm hoping is we don't see it with Bryce Young on Saturday yeah, against the Jets. Yeah, he said he didn't see the the, uh, the corner that was sitting there. I, what be- he said. I believe him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think it looked that way. I think it's pretty evident that he yeah. didn't see the corner sitting there. <laughs> As he threw it, two out of the four passes C.J. Stroud threw were completions and that was it one of them was an interception Jalen Mills and after two series CJ Stroud was over and done with so again the stats for CJ in the preseason game number one for the Houston Texans against the New England Patriots CJ goes to a four on 11 plays with an interception and only two series played I don't want to ask this question right mm-hmm. what, what I want to, I don't want to ask the question about if we should be concerned long term about mm-hmm. CJ Stroud because it's just one game I'll tell you this though Wes I'm concerned this year for the Houston Texans after what I saw the last couple of series for CJ. The offensive line doesn't look good. No. So I know you have Larry Mutunsel on the left side. Okay. You have a really good pass rush that the New England Patriots are going to deploy this season. Keon White, I believe, was the guy that was in the backfield all night long. He looked very good. There are some injuries. There are some things to talk about. But, man, that that Houston offensive line, it looked real bad. And so if that's the case, we can go back to what Mike Florio and Chris Sims were talking about earlier in the week. They were discussing how bad of a spot Bryce Young is in. Okay. Would you rather have the pressure that Bryce Young has, but with an offensive line that at the very worst is going to be an average offensive line this year? And we agree that it's going to be better than average, but at the very worst, the floor for me is going to be that this is an average offensive line. I'd rather be number one overall pick with the pressure that comes with every quarterback that is the number one overall pick. Have this coaching staff where you have bright minds offensively from all different walks of life with that offensive line and West. The only wide receiver group ranked behind Carolina, according to PFF, it was Houston. Now, you have Tank Dell, but Carolina has Jonathan Mingo. Even if Tank Dell's better, who knows how much better he can be in his rookie season. That's the situation, along with Anthony Richardson, but I like Shane Steichen a lot as an offensive mind. And so, I think rookie QB situations, that might be the worst one to be in right now. That is not an indictment on D'Amico Ryans. I like him as a head coach, and I like the long-term process that they're about to go through. But right now, rookie season number one, I think CJ might have the toughest of sledding to all the QBs we expect to play significantly in their first year. Well, not to mention, this Houston offensive line was the worst team in the league at generating yards before contact in the run game. So it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like he's going to get a ton of help there. Uh, but the thing you do look at, though, Davis Mills did come in and play pretty well. And then Case Keenum has been on 600 teams. He was 9 of 14. And Houston well. three times, by the way. This is third time back yeah. with Houston. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that's the interesting part about that one. And so they were talking about this morning if C.J. Strauss had maybe sit for a little bit, at least for a while, and play behind Davis Mills. But as far as when you look at Carolina, you heard about some of the issues uh, that they had maybe during the Jets. Uh, 
joint practices. And so you can't wait to see how they're going to play when they get out there in this football game. You heard about the struggles, especially in the middle of that offensive line. And so that's going to be interesting. That's going to be, I think, one of the key things people are going to look at on Saturday is the protection. Does it look good? Is Bryce? Because I'm telling you right now, man, if he gets sacked, I mean, if you put a number on it, I can live with a sack in two series, but you give up two, three, people are going to start oh, to get sure. a little antsy. They're going to like, like, I don't know. So that that's the only thing that Houston fans, I think, last night they looked at. And I think Carolina fans kind of put Bryce Young in his shoes to an extent and say, well, what if it looks like this? Don't you want him to get sacked, though? Don't you want him to get hit? And when he gets really. back up, he's like... <laughs> Because, like, like that's why I said ASAP. You know, like, every person that has something negative to say about Bryce Young, whether it's Nick Reich or whoever the, the, these people are, it's all about the size. So let's say he does get sacked once or twice, and he stands back up and stands in the pocket and makes a NFL type throw like he did his entire career at Alabama. It'll lessen the concern because, like, it's going to happen. He's going to get hit. I remember Eli Manning used to say, he, he always wanted to get hit in the preseason because you don't get hit in practice. That's true. So Bryce Young isn't getting hit in practice. It's been almost eight months since he last took a hit on a football field. You want to see him get hit and then stand right back up and say, guys, I'm going to be okay. I understand your point, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point anyway. So I would rather him stay as upright as possible. In, in the preseason, if he gets hit – we're still going to have those. St- we're still going to have those same concerns once we get to week one. Once we get to week four. Once we get to week seven. Those are still going to be there because all it takes is one hit. So it doesn't matter if you had however many sacks. Let's say you get sacked once a game on average, two times a game on average, whatever. That might be a little too much, but you get the idea. Eh, maybe not. Whatever it is, you're still going to be worried in the middle portion of the season because he is so small. It's going to take some time to get over the concerns that you have about his size. It, you'll you'll be okay with it at the end of the year if he's healthy the whole way through and he doesn't get banged up. Okay, we got through the first year unscathed for the most part. That's a great sign going into year number two. But I think logical minds can understand this is how the injury process works. All it takes is one bad hit. Joe Burrow took one bad hit in his rookie season. Got his ankle rolled up on, had to miss a long time, and he came back and became one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. But to me, I understand your point, Fiddy. Like, I, I remember that quote from Eli, too. That would just get him ready to go for the season. But you're going to get hit, at least. Maybe not in the preseason if you only play two or three series, but in the regular season, once you get hit, you're ready to go. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so the thing is, though, you just don't want to see Bryce Young look constantly hurried. You don't want to see him. And that's why I said if I'm only getting two to three possessions out of him, I don't want to see him sacked more than twice. And twice I'm going to get a little leery. But how does it look? Does it look like – He's been constantly pressured and he's running for his life the whole time that he's in there. Or does it just look like, okay, covered sack. They got him one time. Everybody was covered. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Second one, maybe somebody misses a blocking assignment or something like that. All right. But if it looks like that front four is just coming and they're just beating guys one on one matchups, that's what you don't want to see. Let's hear from C.J. Stroud on his first preseason game in the NFL. Here he is discussing the turnover. I just want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, man. Just kind of a crazy opportunity uh, to be able to go out my first NFL stadium, first NFL game, and just a lot of things uh, that I've been through to just get to that moment. So it was just special. Uh, of course, 
Um, just wish I didn't do one mistake on one certain play. But other than that, thought I played solid. Felt good to get hit again. Um, there you go. Just get back in the group. I just think that that's what preseason is for. It's important uh, just to get back and put your feet back in the water. So, um, I'm not, of course, I'm not super excited about how I play. I didn't get to play a lot, but uh, just get my feet in the water, learn from my mistakes, and just keep growing. All right. Well, C.J. Stroud wanted to get hit again. I, I bet he's not going to say that if he gets hit in the second preseason game. It's like, all right, you got hit once. That's enough. That'll do. I would like to stay upright for the rest of the NFL season. Bryce Young, we're hoping that as well. Now, George Shahri yesterday said Bryce Young's reasonable expectation is rookie of the year. Neat saying, you know, over B.J. John Robinson, over what you have with C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, right? Reasonable expectation is rookie of the year. Who are the guys that have a real shot at beating Bryce Young? Because you can go to the running back down in Atlanta. Bijan, the favorite for a reason. We know the success of rookie running backs. They can step in right away and be pro bowlers and even all pros because they amass just so much yardage. And that is a, we've talked about this, the running back value, whatever, right? So Bijan is one. Anthony Richardson, I think, is up there. If Anthony Richardson shows out, if the offensive line is better with the Colts this year than what it was in, in the season that Matt Ryan played up there, we know that Richardson has all the mobility in the world. If he throws better than what most people expect, I would imagine the rushing yards are going to be there for Anthony Richardson. I don't think C.J. Stroud is going to be in a position to beat Bryce Young this season. It, for me, it's going to have to totally be on C.J. balling out himself. I just don't believe in the situation he's in in year one. They've got a lot of work to do to help that roster get to a place where they're contending. Carolina does not. They're going to be content. They're going to be a tough out. It doesn't mean that they're absolutely going to make the playoffs this year, but Carolina should absolutely should end with a better record this season than what Houston has. And because winning matters, when we try to figure out who should win rookie of the year, unless you're running back and the only thing you can do is amass a million yards. And I expect Bijan to do that. I really only see two guys, Wes, maybe a breakout wide receiver. Jordan Addison looked really good with Minnesota. That catch that was called incomplete on the sideline. Wide receiver in the NFL, you got to practically put up 16,000 yards to get any type of awards. Well, Garrett Wilson got it last year. <laughs> no, I'm saying outside of, you know, offensive rookie of the year, but I, I get it. I get you know what? Well, that's what I'm I saying, what right? Saying. Like we, yeah. we can see wide receivers get rookie of the year. We saw it with Garrett Wilson. That that could happen. So mm-hmm. maybe that happens. Maybe an Addison, maybe, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be enough for JSN and Seattle. I think he's going to be the third target. But yeah, I, I see like three guys and I don't even think CJ Stroud is going to contend for rookie of the year. What do you think, Wes? Uh, yeah, I think it will be for sure a good race. Uh, I think there are some guys that are uh, in the ranking. Like you said, Anthony Richardson could end up making some plays and, and, and end up being in the mix for that. But B. John Robinson, not to try to, you know, get on the favorite and... And I know how you all are running backs, but uh, there's been tried. a lot of good news coming out about Jameer Gibbs, too, man. He looks pretty good out there in Detroit. So this is another guy that I think could end up uh, making some noise as well as a as a dual threat back in that Detroit offense. So those would be my contenders uh, if I were you. And Zay Flowers is another guy that you've been hearing a ton about. So I think there, there's some good competition for guys. But if I had to give you three to four guys not named Bryce Young that could win this award, my picks would be. Zay Flowers, uh, I would go with Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, and um, Anthony Richardson. Those would be my guys outside of Bryce. Richardson's the wild card, right? Like, yes. like, like, like if he hits and has like a Cam Newton S type of season, then he he probably wins the award. 
I mean, like, I don't want to go ahead and say because I'm not a betting man. If if I had if I had to bet money, I'd put a lot of money on Bryce Young to win the award, just because I feel like he's in the best situation. And they, like for a running back, like if B. John Robinson were to win Rookie of the Year, what's he got to run for? 1,400 yards, probably double-digit touchdowns. Yeah, but it's possible. That's the thing. These We've seen so many rookie yeah. running backs come in. I mean, the history is there. Tyler ran for 1,000 last year as a rookie in Atlanta. And it's it's not it's not even an outlier. I, I don't want to bring in this one instance, hey, actually it happened in 2008, so watch your mouth. It's not like that. There's actually a you pretty – You need to watch your mouth. <laughs> there's a pretty big history of rookie running backs coming into the league and wrecking shop. They've been that good. And Bijan, even higher on some of the running backs prospects we've seen taken in the first round point is made though i still like your take because winning football games is going to carry a lot of weight mm-hmm. well and i think the question is should it or like if you're a great rookie on a bad team should you, should you still be rewarded it just depends i think it just goes on how great were you like if you've got a guy and bryce young is playing good football and the panthers win nine games or eight games but they miss the playoffs but Bijan. And the Falcons do not, but he rushes for 1,600 yards. Then, like I said, that's an undeniable number. Yeah, and Anthony Richardson rushing total is going to help him. That's going to provide him a floor. And it's why I don't see a lot of C.J. Stroud winning the Rookie of the Year. I would be out on that future bad. And it's all about the situation. It's not an indictment on how bad he's going to be for the rest of his career. It's not an indictment on D'Amico or even Houston right now. It's just they have so much work. Yeah. I mean, they traded Brandon uh, Cooks, who was a real solid wide receiver, and now you're Working with like Nico Collins, Tank Dell, an offensive line that has some guys out Mechie right now. Too. But I like I like Matchy. I think he could maybe end up being something. So so maybe, but yeah, the the um, prognosis on those guys really working out this year. It's going to be tough to see. What you think, Fitty? I was just going to ask. I mean, outside of Bryce Young, Richardson is the guy across the NFL. We're all wanting to watch the most this weekend, right? Like, and it's not yeah. even it's not even close. Am I, am I right on that? I agree. No, I, I'm totally with you. I Wes? think. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I was just trying to cycle in my head. Uh, I'd say 49ers first, and then uh, Anthony Richardson. Who on the 49ers <laughs> are you interested in? Yeah, I mean, we, we, yeah they said the rookies are struggling. But, I mean, but, honestly, actually, you know what? I take that back because Trey Lance, if he looks good in preseason, we're going to be talking about it. Yeah. People are going to be talking about and, Trey Lance. And I also wanted to go back, too, to the whole Bryce Young getting sacked deal. Like, I mean, last year at Alabama, he was relatively – good money as far as he only got sacked 18 times. But 2021, his Heisman season, he got sacked 39 times. Who did? Okay. What was the athlete you mentioned? Bryce Young. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So, And I know people say, well, the NFL and the SEC doesn't relate. But still, 39 sacks, that's a lot of sacks. That was a bad Alabama offensive line uh, that season. They gave up over 40 on the year. So it did show that he could deal with not having the greatest offensive line. Well, and this is, this is the part that often falls upon deaf ears because nobody wants to hear it when we talk about Alabama, but George Shahery said it yesterday on these airwaves. He was not dealing with phenomenal talent that usually helps a quarterback at Alabama last year. It was a little bit different. The offensive line, not as good as they have been and the wide receiving core. Even if it's it's okay, like it's pretty good, but it's not nearly what they've had where they have you know two or three guys going in the first round. It was a little different than some of these other Alabama quarterbacks that we've seen. Mac Jones threw a threw to a Heisman winner. <laughs> you know, Tua comes in and throws to a Heisman winner to win a championship, and that was a guy that wasn't even real productive in Devontae Smith's first year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You have. 
we know the wide receiver history at Alabama. And so I, I totally agree with you. I, I like Fitty's take on that. We're all Bryce Young fans here. We yeah. all think the world of him coming into his rookie season. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. When we go to Spartanburg, Mac, what, this was your... Your 19th time down there, I believe, in Spartanburg, my 18th. But there's two things that are staples that you have to see on your journey. It's the Gaffney Peach. That's one. You look at it, and I said it looks like Sean Payton now. But that is one staple. And Darren Gant. When you see the Peach, and then you get there, but you also see Darren Gant, Football is here and life is good, man, right? The peach, the peach and Darren Gant, two staples of our trip. I like it. I like it, man. We saw Darren Gant yesterday. Seemed like he was giving us the business phone that we did not ask him to come up to Homer Hill. But here he is, ladies and gentlemen. We will make it up to him. Darren Gant, Panthers.com, joining us to uh, preview tomorrow to discuss what he has seen at camp. Uh, uh, DJ, what's up, brother? How you been, man? I've been doing all right. I, I've given it some more thought. I'm no longer bitter about it. Those were just opening acts <laughs> to build up to me on Friday. That's right, baby. That, that we was, to that, end the week with you. Anyone can sum up one day of practice, but who can sum up all the days? So right. Yeah. That, that is so right. Um, what? Okay, so tomorrow, Frank Reich is saying Bryce will play. He's saying start. I mean, we know Miles Sanders won't play, and maybe some of the other guys, Louvu, LaVisca, I don't know. Maybe they'll be held out. But it does seem like we're going to get the starters but frank is not one of these coaches i guess darren that like maps it out for you some coaches will kind of tell you hey it'll be about a quarter for these guys i mean is is that your is that a guess for bryce and the starters a quarter is that what you would guess i i think it's probably reasonable to suspect something in the 10 snaps to a quarter yeah you know, kind of realm. I mean, if you think about an, an average NFL game, it's about 60 snaps. So, you know, 10, 12 snaps, something like that, approaching a quarter seems about a, a normal thing. But listen, if if they take the opening kickoff and Bryce goes 10 plays, 80 yards, touchdown, boom, I, that it. might be it yeah. for him. I don't. You know, I, I don't know what the plan is. They've got a set number of snaps they want to get him in the preseason. And, and I think Frank made two points about preseason game time that are kind of valid. Number one, everything here is new. New quarterback, new skill position guys, some of whom aren't going to be playing to, tomorrow night. 
And also, first two games of the season are division games, which are going to be really important in the NFC South, where somebody's apt to win this division at eight and nine or nine and eight. So you need to get all of those that you can, and you need to be as ready as you can in September. So he's not—he said he's not going to shy away from playing a good many starters in the preseason. I don't think that means we're going to see all of them extensively, but they got to get these guys oiled up a little bit. We're talking to Lyle Lovett Stan, Darren Gand of Panthers.com <laughs> here on the Body Works Plus Guest Hotline. I think Max can ask he about that. He is. He, there is no argument about this. He is the coolest white person in the world. Man, I thought that was bo- I thought that was either bone yeah, or I well, I'm, I'm very yeah, I'm in a very white category. <laughs> you you yeah, you even apologize in your tweet to Tom Sorensen, who you I guess you had him as the coolest white guy ever. Now Lyle Lovett asked that <laughs> in the white guy rankings. Yeah. Well, Lyle and I actually shared an elevator in New York at the uh, New York Super Bowl in 2013. I believe it was at the Conrad Hotel. And uh, he looked at me and said, good morning. And I said, good morning. And that was the extent of my conversation with Lyle Love. <laughs> but the coolness wow. was just evident. Who could forget that conversation? Nope. Yeah, no question. And, and I can attest, the hair does look like that first thing in the morning. He rolls out looking that cool. <laughs> Darren, the national perspective or perception of this wide receiver group, it it ranks them kind of low because there's not what they see as a dominant number one wide out. But how good do you think this wide receiver group can be because of how many guys they have they can do stuff with? Yeah, I, I think it can be sufficient. I mean, listen, they do not have that guy. They do not have a Devontae Adams. They do not have a Justin Jefferson or anybody of that caliber in that group. But I do think that because what they have, these guys are all very different players. I mean, Thielen is like a true slot. LaVisca is Debo Light. You know, DJ Chark's had a really good camp, and if he's healthy and can get downfield, that changes the way they can play a lot of stuff. So I, I think between all those guys, they've got a group that it's almost like receiver by committee. But all these guys play such different roles that it's, it, it is very hard to pigeonhole them and, and characterize it. I mean, is it a top half of the league receiving group? Uh, probably not. But I think when you include in the tight ends and, and how involved Hayden Hurst is going to be in this passing game, I think it can be sufficient. I mean, you heard Dave Tepper talk about this on draft night. With Bryce and the way he plays, he's a distributor. He spreads the ball around. They think that is going to allow them to spread the wealth, so to speak, and not have to pay one wide receiver $20 million bucks. Yeah, It's very interesting. It'll be interesting to see if it does work out. We're talking to Darren Gant, Panthers.com. DG, uh, we were talking a little bit about the right guard spot. It sounds like, you know, there have been some problems down there. Cade Mays, it sounds like there's been some false starts. Sounds like he's been moved kind of to the second team a little bit. And the veteran, McCray, um, that they signed in the offseason without much fanfare, has been moved in as the right guard. Zavala, they're still trying to get him up to full tilt. Is this right guard spot, like, more of a concern until Corbett comes back than maybe we've all been making it to be, or, or not really? Well, I just think we got to see who settles into that spot, honestly. I mean, I, I think, you know, if Nash Jensen had been practicing the other day, he's this undrafted rookie uh, from North Dakota State. And, and let me tell you, he's got big white buffalo energy. He's got some Norwell <laughs> in him. Um, 
he is a guy who I think will be in the mix for that temporary starting gig uh, if he's out on the field. But he's he's been missing practice the last couple of days and uh, hasn't been out there. And I think he's going to be a factor in it. McCray is kind of like the – I mean, he reminds me of the Cam Irving of guards. He's a guy you want around as a backup. But when you start projecting in the starting lineups, then you're like, oh, wait. I wasn't sure I signed up for all that, but um, it, but just a smart veteran who James Campen knows and trusts, and, and listen, Campy is good enough at this thing that I think you give him the benefit of the doubt. If he tells you we'd be all right with Justin McRae for a couple weeks, you kind of accept it and move on uh, more than you would with some other coaches, but I still think Cade Mays is going to be a part of this mix, too. I mean, he did have a rough couple of days uh, last weekend when uh, everybody talked about the kind of the bad day for the entire offense yeah. he had a couple of false starts and yeah he was he was working with the second team at center during the jets joint practices practice singular i guess it never quite got to plural um but i still don't know that cade's out of the mix here so we'll see how that shapes up over the next couple of days but until zavala gets healthy yeah it's a little it's definitely in flux and not nearly as settled as they'd hope it might have been going into camp I got to be honest. I forgot the Great White Buffalo was the Andrew Norwell nickname. I thought that was a Lyle Lovett song that he referenced there. <laughs> I started Googling. Like, Lyle, I Googled Darren Lyle Lovett, Great White Buffalo, and I was like, that's not a song that Lyle Lovett sang. <laughs> that's on me, right? That's my fault, Darren. No, that's actually, that's actually a Ted Nugent classic, but uh, I'm not really listening to much Ted anymore these days. I don't know, but uh, at any rate, where were we? I wonder why, Darren. I wonder why. We will, we will leave it there, though. Uh, I'll transition here. Look, we've talked a lot about Brian Burns on this show because of the contract and what he's going to end up becoming in terms of in this defense. We've talked about J.C. Horn. We've talked about Chin. We've talked about Von Bell a lot, his addition. Is is Derek Brown kind of under the radar for the dominant force he can become now? Um, I, I guess. I mean, in, in light, because he's an interior player and he's not ever – I don't – know that Derek's ever going to be a big 15-sack guy like an Aaron Donald or somebody like that. I just don't know that that's his game. Even at Auburn, he was more of a pressure-the-pocket guy than a sack guy. And I think because he doesn't put up tangible numbers, that kind of makes it easy to overlook him. But uh, Derek's a problem. And I, and I think that contributes a little bit to when people have been watching practice and saying, oh, there might be some kind of issue with right guard. Those guys have been blocking Derek Brown a lot. And Derek Brown is a problem. Derek is a guy who can make a lot of people look a little shabby. And I just think that because of his strength, his first step, I mean, he's got the ability to collapse pockets. And and Derek is going to be a part of this thing. They think that, you know, in this system, he's going to be doing a little more than he was in some previous years. And he was already playing pretty well. So I I think they're encouraged about Derek and, and really the defense as a whole. I mean, when you bring in... Justin Houston, that went from a position of, I don't want to say liability, that's probably too strong, but at least question mark, to, yeah, where's the hole in this group? And I think Houston is important in as much for what he brings himself, but 
what he keeps other people from having to do. Because without him, you were going to be mixing and matching. You were going to be using Frankie Louvu as a rusher. You were going to be, you know, moving Jeremy Chin all around and doing different stuff. So I, I just think he keeps them from having to fiddle with the defense nearly as much. And obviously, he's still getting it done at 34 years old. And I am here for old guys who are still getting it done. Hey, you are hey. the old guy. Panthers.com, ask the old guy. is blowing up, baby. And Darren Gant is the said old guy. So um, Somehow I'm 40 this year. I'm not sure how that... Where'd, where'd my life go, Darren? It feels like it just... I was so, young, and now someone I work with perhaps made me older than I thought I was. <laughs> a, a, a whippersnapper at 40, I say. Yes. yes. Don't talk to me and DG about 40, well, Bob. I feel like my, ra- my radio partners age me to 60, <laughs> not 40. <laughs> All right, uh, DG, you were the first one that I saw kind of write about in the Brian Burns situation to kind of bring up the Bosa contract and that that, you know, is probably going to have to fall into place before Burns and the Panthers, you know, uh, consummate a deal. And since then, I think everybody's kind of parroted that. I think we've all kind of, you know, parroted that. So I want to ask you, what's your gut feeling? Do you think a deal gets done before this season or do you think Brian Burns ends up going into to next offseason as a free agent? Well, how do you think it plays out, if you had to guess? Um, I, I mean, I don't make enough money to offer an educated guess <laughs> on a lot of these things. But I, the one thing I will say about Burns' situation is I think he's played this the right way. I, I think Brian showing up to camp, uh, being a leader. I mean, Frank Reich's talked about that a lot, about the way he's leading that group. And, you know, it, it would the easiest thing in the world for a player like Brian Burns would have been to show up and said, yeah, this ankle I got worked on this offseason is not quite ready. I, gotcha. I better chill over here in the tent on the bike. But Brian's been out there not just practicing, but practicing his tail off. I mean, if you saw the Jets' joint practice, I mean, he was, he was smacking Aaron Rodgers' butt on about every other play. I mean, he just walked past or he'd run past him and tap him just to remind him he's back there. And, yes, I would have gotten you right now. So Burns is uh, going 100 miles an hour in practice. He's, you know, looked good so far. I, I think ultimately these guys have shown they want to pay him. You know, when you turn down the offer from the Rams a while back, it indicates that he's an important part of your future. And everything they've said kind of indicates that they feel that way. So I, I just think that if, a Bosa deal happens, that's going to provide kind of that neighborhood comp. I mean, does does Brian Burns expect to be paid more than Joey Bosa? I wouldn't think so. Bosa's got a defensive player of the year on the shelf. But um, it's going to at least be in the same zip code. So I, I think, you know, if that one gets done, there's a framework. Maybe that gets you a little closer to getting it done. But I, I do know both sides are operating in good faith and and doing the stuff they need to do right now to make sure it works. All right, DG, by the way, Bone, is my type of guy. Well, every See, Friday, DG had it all settled for oh, us. Oh, he's ready to go. Know. It was okay. a perfect day for him. When everybody else is talking about Beyonce was here in Charlotte this week, DG spent last weekend telling everybody he saw a great Led Zeppelin tribute band. That is, DG, there you, you are my kind of guy musically. Yeah. All right, brother? Yeah, you, you haven't lived until you've experienced Zoso in the Spartanburg Memorial. Auditorium. I'm jealous. I'm actually jealous of that one. Not of y'all that went to Beyonce, but of that right there. <laughs> All right, we're both old guys. All right, brother, thank you for coming on, man. Keep up the good work. Yeah, we'll talk to y'all soon. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7.
93.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Speaking of Alabama, uh, he's a Gamecock, spent a decade in the NFL as a linebacker, but he's doing sports radio middays down in Tuscaloosa. Our good buddy, the P.O.P., the pastor of pain, Corey Miller, is back to preach the football gospel on a Friday afternoon. What's up, pastor? How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. And let the church say amen and roll time. <laughs> All right. Well, we we can do some of that for sure. We can, we can do a little. Let me start with this because Smoke was just during the break uh, playing me a soundbite from Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman. And he was asked by the Arkansas media just to give his general take on conference realignment. And he basically said, listen, uh, ain't ain't nothing happening in the SEC, so I'm not sure why my opinion matters because uh, I got ball to get ready for. And I understand his perspective on this. And in the SEC, Corey, nobody's really worried about much of anything. The conference is as strong as it's ever been, and uh, they're gearing up to play football. But what do you think about all the conference realignment in college football, the death of the Pac-12, everything that's going on? It's, it's really sad for college football, to be honest. I mean, I, I was a fan of the Pac-12. I was the guy that, you know, Pac-12 at night, I'm on my porch, uh, cigar, watching the game till 2 in the morning. I, I saw a lot of good football in the Pac-12, and it just shows you the, uh, the leadership. The, it was horrible, and I think that's why we can go down a whole list of blame this guy or that guy, but... Uh, to me, it's a sad day for college football that it imploded that way, but we saw this coming. Uh, we know it's all about money. It's all about the greed of college football. It's, it's unfortunate that I think, uh, even though you mentioned the SEC is not really moving, they're very sound. I believe that. But I just think all of this money stuff, NIL and all the other stuff, it's just really it's just putting a dagger in the college football, if you ask me. Well, and I... You know, three straight years we've been doing this, right, Corey? Two years ago, summer of 21, it was Oklahoma and Texas bolting the Big 12. Last year, it was USC and UCLA. This year, it's the total death of the Pac-12. Um, and, and, you know, we, we don't know what, what happens now, but this is the year where unlike the previous couple of years, where we stop with the conference realignment, hand wringing, they kick off the games and everything's fine. I'm not sure it's going to be the same way this year, Corey. And and don't get me wrong. We're going to watch the football and prioritize the football, but we have literally just watched the death of college football as we know. It doesn't mean the sports going away, but I'm not sure we're going to just stop talking about it this time when the games kick off. What do you think? No, we're not. I mean, it's going to be every week, uh, all week. I mean, the storyline is going to be, be every day. I, I mean, it, again, it's just it's bad. We're going to see the games, as you mentioned. We're going to watch, but we're going to keep talking about these conversations, talking about, well, what's going to happen, uh, you know, with the ACC? What's going to happen with Florida State? They're making all of these bold statements that, like, they're out. Uh, what's going to happen with Clemson? Will the, will the SEC really 
set title? Will they bring in a North Carolina? Will they bring in uh, Virginia? You know, there's so much stuff out there, man. It's just like we haven't talked about it hardly at all because it just wore me out. Um, and I'm sad about it. I really am. And I, I think college football is just in a bad place. And, and it's just sad. It's all about money. It's all about the greed. All right. So let's get to the football. Both Clemson and Alabama coming off of unacceptable seasons by their own standards, right? You know, for them, unacceptable. Uh, but both won 11 games, which is ridiculous when you say it out loud. But, you know, who's got who's got the clearer path to getting back to the top? And, again, I know that Clemson fans don't expect you to say nice things, but I'm asking you to take into account conference, schedule, depth, all that stuff. Yeah. Who's got the clearer path to getting back on top, Clemson or Alabama? I would say the easier path would be Clemson, no doubt about it. I mean, I would always say that uh, based on the conference. they got Florida State sitting right there. They don't have divisions anymore. They may have a chance to play Florida State twice and uh, winner-take-all type of deal. Um, you know, top two teams are going out of the ACC. You look at their schedule. Uh, I know they have a Notre Dame. they got to go on the road to South Carolina. They get Florida State at home. Um uh, I think the schedule sets up for Clemson. Uh, I still have my questions. I'm not sold on the quarterback. I'm not sold at the wide receiver position. I think there's questions on defense, especially in the secondary, maybe at uh, defensive end even. Uh, so we'll see. But I think you look at the schedule, you look at what they got to go through, Clemson and the ACC, easier. But I'm telling you right now, as I drive talking to you, I'm headed to Alabama on that Highway 20 ride. And this team, I'll watch it tomorrow in the scrimmage, KB, this team is loaded with talent, and I know the question marks out there about the quarterbacks and blah, 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 blah. But I'm telling you right now, they're going to surprise a lot of people, maybe not, how good they're going to be. And so um, I think Alabama finds itself back in the college football playoffs, back in Atlanta, taking care of Georgia, and be, be the team who they've been you know, in the years past. When they don't have that sound quarterback, the history says they win national championships. Jake Coker, uh, you know, Mac Jones, nobody's talked about them. They won national championships, and I think this could be the case of whoever take that quarterback job this season. Uh, Pastor Payne, Corey Miller, he's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. By the way, I heard that little Zach Brown reference right there. That was well done. Um, North Carolina, oh, yeah, <laughs> North Carolina, South Carolina to open the season here in Charlotte. Um, g- give me your honest opinion as a fan. What about this game concerns you? As a Gamecock fan facing North Carolina, I know you feel like you're in the better conference. You probably feel like you're the better team. But like, what, what about the Tar Heels does worry you? I would say the passing game of, you know, with Drake May. And, um, uh, you know, I think he's special, the quarterback. Um, and I think South Carolina lost their top two edge rushers. Uh, and I think that could be a problem of depth there. I'm still learning uh, who's going to step up and fill some voids. Uh, South Carolina moving to carry on joining the running back who was the MVP of the Duke's Mayo Bowl the last time I believe they played North Carolina in Charlotte. Uh, he's now the starting running back. He's RB1. I like that move. Uh, Spencer Rattler got some things to prove. Um, so, listen, I think it's going to be one of those really good games that we're going to learn a lot about both these teams. Of course, I like South Carolina to win it. I think South Carolina has a lot of young talent um, that people uh, haven't really heard of the secondary because we are the two freshmen. Uh, now sophomore from Columbia playing good football. Uh, I think they're going to have some good receivers, young receivers that's going to step up and play. And I would not be shocked if you hear a name, Lenore Sellers. He's a freshman quarterback from South Florence, 
That dude is special. I'm telling you, there might be some packages for him. He's a good football player. So, uh, in the end, I like South Carolina to win the game, although I think first game, you never know what's going to happen with turnovers and penalties. I still think South Carolina, with their new mindset, new culture with Shane Beamer, wins the football game. Yeah, but can you stop the run? That's my big question about your defense. You haven't you haven't been able to stop a nosebleed the last couple of years in the run game. Your secondary's been good. Uh, that's, that's fair. I mean, that's, that's fair. I mean, I'm concerned about that. Um, but um, listen, North Carolina's not going to run the ball. North Carolina's trying to get a Heisman Trophy winner. Well, they got Drake May. That's they're the thing. Yeah, it's a good point. That's a good point. I, I don't think they're going to try to run it 40 times week one. Yeah, they're not going to run it 40 times week one. And by the way, isn't uh, one Gene Chizik still the defense coordinator? What's that now? <laughs> isn't Gene Chizik still the defensive coordinator? <laughs> Go in. Give me your uh, thoughts on Gene Chizik. <laughs> uh, great man of God. A great man. Loves the Lord and has great faith. But he cannot coach peewee defense. Wow. I mean, last time I checked, they gave up like 35 points in a quarter. Tab State or somebody. Is that the same North Carolina team that's going to be South Carolina? I don't think so. As uh, long as Gene Chizik is there, uh, you better want to put a big L. Put an L in that column because uh, uh, they ain't stopping nobody. So I'm not worried about the run game. And their defense is atrocious. Mm. All right. We got Corey Miller, the pastor of pain, with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. 803 number said, God, I can't wait to smoke the game cocks and shut this guy up. That's awesome. Send me more of the <laughs> send me more of those texts, please. Corey Miller Corey Miller likes them too. Um Corey, let's talk about the Panthers for a couple of minutes because every day down in Tuscaloosa, you and Christian are at least, I'm sure, talking a bit about the fact that Bryce Young is yep. uh, continuing to impress up here. Uh, the, the unofficial stats were 64 and a half completion percentage in the preseason. You know, he threw about a half dozen picks over two weeks, but uh, made some fantastic throws in the process, played well against the Jets in joint practice two days ago, and he's going to get some reps tomorrow night in the first preseason game. What do you think about what you've seen and what you're hearing from Bryce Young? Well, I, you know, just knowing him and, and his family and what he's come from at Alabama, uh, I expect big things. I think Bryce Young is so far ahead of the curve when it comes to young quarterback, just from the mind perspective, right? This guy thinks around the field. He understands. He anticipates better than most that I've ever seen. And uh, he's a smart guy. But I know this about the NFL. He's going he's gonna to be some growing pains. We saw it last night with Stroud. I mean, it, it don't look good. I mean, one before pass for 13 yards, but it didn't look good. It's going to take him a while to get comfortable. Nerve's going to be a part of it. And, and, and so I would just say to the fans, don't do not do like a lot of these fans and start just, here we go, you know, if he throws a pick or two or it doesn't look the way you think. Bryce Young is going to be a dynamic quarterback. He was the right pick. You, add, you listen from Andy Dalton, veteran. You listen to uh, even my man Aaron Rodgers had great things to say. And this is not smoke. This guy has all the tools, KB. And, and all they got to do is continue to put the right pieces around him protect him, and even when the protection breaks down, he's so great at, at extending plays, man, that people get open. And I think that's just an X factor he has. So I'm proud of him, and I'm proud of Joe Person. Uh, the fact that he charted all them, pr- them plays in practice <laughs> and give you a percentage, to me, is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's a man doing his job, isn't it? Joe Person does that, though. Yeah. That man yeah, does his I'm, job. I mean, <laughs> Hey Corey, wow. before I, can't I believe that. I can't either. Before I let you go, I'm just curious if you, like I want you to weigh in on what we were discussing coming into this segment. 
Kyle Shanahan said if, if they had beaten the Eagles last year in the NFC title game, that they would have brought Phillip Rivers off the street to play in the Super Bowl. What do you think of that? Can you imagine coming off the street with two weeks to prepare for the Super no. Bowl? What, what do you make of that? Because to me, that would have been one of the most unbelievable stories in the history of sports. It would have been, and it would have made a lot of people rich. Because I would have bet it so much on the opposite. Because <laughs> there's no way he would have two weeks. Are you kidding me? Listen, I love Phillip Rivers. I love the dude. His passion. The man got 18 kids. And, man, mad respect, dog, that you bring that thing home like that. But you would not take two weeks and get out there and say you're going to win a football. No way. There's absolutely no way. Now, my thing would be, listen, go find somebody. I like the Chad Henney. I, like, I think I heard you reference that name. Somebody that's playing and that's in shape, you bet I'm going to get that guy in Philip Rivers. He's coaching high school football. Come on, man. No way. No way. No way. No way. Corey Miller, no look, way. looking forward to our weekly conversations during the season, brother. We'll talk Me to you next too. week. All right, guys. Be blessed, man. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Charlotte sports fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.